93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this week, and I'm glad that you have tuned in. Uh, I am excited to uh, welcome Mike Burnham into the Eagle Studios this weekend. Uh, this is a local homegrown success story that a lot of people in our community don't know much about. Uh, but uh, the Storage Mark Company is based in Columbia, Missouri. The world's largest uh, privately owned uh, storage companies, uh, and they are still growing with a, a big uh, acquisition uh, in 2021 up in New York City. Uh, Mike Burton, welcome to the studios. Thanks, Fred. I was just kind of jiving to the music, wondering what was coming up next. <laughs> it's a great uh, it's a great song, let me tell you. Well, you know, I really... Uh, uh, this is a, a very impressive story, and, and I don't... You know, I've... I've published a business journal in Columbia for many years, and I, I can tell you that we just really never, ever really have been able to share this story with, with a lot of people. So I'm excited that you're in this weekend. Uh, this is a hometown, homegrown success story uh, that on a uh, international level is pretty damned impressive. And so uh, let's let's begin, though, by telling uh, a little our listeners a little bit about your connection to Columbia, uh, growing up, where you went to school, and, and uh, your career path after after college. Well, uh, I was actually born in Moberly, and uh, my father was a serial entrepreneur. Uh-huh. And prior to leaving Moberly to moving to Columbia when I was five, he'd been in the racetrack business, he'd been in the fertilizer business, he'd been selling cars, mm. he had the worldwide uh, distribution rights for Can't Leak Toilet Seal, Wow! and moved to Columbia to distribute the St. Louis and Kansas City newspapers. And I went to West Boulevard School right after yeah. it opened. And from there, West Junior, then we moved to the farm north of town, finished up at Jeff Junior, then went through Hickman, mm-hmm. University of Missouri, and um, been a great place to live, a great place to raise a family. Yeah. What did you do for a career once you left college? Because <laughs> I, I, look, I look back on your, in your biography, and you've, you know, you've worked for a number of companies that are related to the storage industry, but did you go straight to work for the family business? No, not okay. at all. Uh, actually, my, my grew up on a farm uh, north of town. We uh-huh. had about 120 acres, raised cattle. Turned out that the farm raised apartments better than that it did cattle. Uh-huh. And we built uh, Bongor Lake Estates. My right. father and my parents did. Right. That was a very unique subdivision uh, because of the way it was planted, and uh, it had its own sewer system, correct? Uh, well, yes. And uh, Dad had this great you know, process where he would go through and come up with a great idea and then have somebody else have to fill it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when he started all the lagoons and extended aeration treatment plants, somebody had to get licensed with the state of Missouri. Yeah. yeah. And that was me. So I <laughs> that was is a good experience. A, a licensed water and wastewater technician. <laughs> you learned at a very early oh, very age much just so. how fun that very is. Much but so. uh, your dad, of course, is Gordon Burnham, mm-hmm. and your mom was Mickey, and, and yes. of course, they were legendary around Columbia. And, and I had a lot of respect for your dad. He and I uh, had very similar feelings about BJC Healthcare, <laughs> and uh, uh, and he wasn't afraid to express it, which I really appreciated. And uh, uh, but the Burnham family has been around a long time. Uh, kind of for people uh, more recently, mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, you all purchased Parkade Plaza, which was really becoming an eyesore 
on Business Loop 70. It's really the, one of the first things that people see when they drive through Columbia. But, but wow, you really transformed that place. You were able to really turn it into something. Well, I, I can't take full credit for that. But going back to the Bonagore Lake Estates, yeah. um, in the early 2000s, real estate was really high-priced. Yeah. And we thought that we would own Bonagore Lake Estates forever. Mm-hmm. Somebody came through and offered us more money than what we thought it was worth. And to go through and save or defer our taxes, if you will, yeah. we roll that into Parkade Center. And we, I mean, we grew up going there. My aunt and uncle and my father in the glass business put the glass in the building when it was built. Yeah. We knew the original developers, dad did. And so it was something coming back. But my youngest brother, Chris, really took the reins after we bought it mm-hmm. and is responsible for all of the transformation, if you will. Yeah. Of course, uh, J.C. Penney was an anchor <clears throat> in the Parkade Center. And I remember shopping at Goldie's, and I, I think there was a pet store in there. Uh, I'm trying to remember what else was in there. I think there was also the original Ben Franklin that perhaps the Walton family oh, I think was right. also there. Yeah, and the Flaming Pit, of course. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. bet that was fun to clean up. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> well, we had, I mean, it was ended up being a wonderful opportunity, and what got us started in the right direction was the Morbilly Area Community College. Mm-hmm. My father actually graduated, well, didn't quite graduate from there. But <laughs> like he, all good he, entrepreneurs. <laughs> he uh, attended there, yeah. and um, they wanted to branch out into a new campus, and we were fortunate enough to go through and work with them, and they were a great anchor for everything there. Mm-hmm. USDA's been there for a long, long yep. time. Yep. And but Mac really kind of got us and we're going to became an educational center, if you will. Yeah. And we just um knocked out walls, put in windows, added things as we needed them. We had a little rabbit warren downstairs. I mean a whole bunch of little offices mm-hmm. that we were fortunate enough to go through. A lot of people just starting a new business have a hard time finding a small, affordable yeah. place. Yep. And we wanted to make Parkade into that. Yeah. And it worked out extremely well for, for everybody. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Mac became a draw for other uh, institutions of higher education, including William Woods and I think Central Methodist is yep. in there now. I think there's five different educational institutes in there. Yeah, that's that's impressive. And that's, that's a real service for people. Uh, people in Columbia and and around Columbia who really maybe are not the traditional four-year college students and so we uh, actually went through and uh, after mom and dad passed away we started a fund with mm-hmm. Mac oh wow! and we were I, I guess a hall of fame if you will dad mm-hmm. was uh, initiated last year yep and um, because we know that as a business here in Columbia we have a very difficult time recruiting people to come and work for us yeah that have the basic skills, mm-hmm. basic Excel, basic yep. accounting, basic just understand how to write a business letter, if you will. Yeah. And Mac seemed to go through and hit that part of the market that we really feel that Columbia has been lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've done a fantastic job with that. Yeah. So Storage Mart um, it sort of came behind a company called Storage Trust. And uh, in my research, uh, your dad got involved uh, in the storage uh, company business uh, after a family vacation to Texas, 1974. Um, how old were you in 1974, Mike? I, I was, um, I graduated uh, Hickman in 71, okay. so I was in college right. at that time. So you were, uh, you had a class project. Right. Um, but uh it became, and you and I had been in Rotary together for many years. We mm-hmm. we also attended the same church for many years, right. and and uh, but I remember back when Storage Trust went public, and that was a huge deal 
back in Columbia. Well, if you, if you don't mind, let me start yeah. a little bit before yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us the history uh, because there. Because after Dad, Dad and the family came back from Brownsville, Texas, and they bought a lease for $10, he talked <laughs> Kirksville Savings Alone into loaning him the money to build on Rangeline. Wow. And that store was built in 1974, plus or minus. Yeah. And uh, we bought and sold the property four different times. Yeah. And it's worth a lot more money than what it cost at that point in time. But we decided that there was an opportunity that this business was scalable. At the same time, the Price family here in town had sold the bank to the Cook family. And Al was looking for an opportunity to go through and invest. And he and Dad Dad had borrowed money from Al forever. I got my first car loan from Al. Mm -hmm. I bought a a hog uh, with money that Al had loaned me. So we had a long history there. The four legged hog, not, not one you ride around town in the <laughs> no, 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 okay. no, no, four legged, four legged. Right. Okay. And uh, Al became our partner, and yeah. we built around the entire southeast. Um, Dad liked to play. Would have a very strategic marketing plan. Yeah. Dad liked to play golf in Mississippi. Al liked to hunt in South Carolina. So we built him in South Carolina and <laughs> in Mississippi. Smart. And filled in over the next few years. So yeah. between seventy, I came back in seventy six. Between 76 and 86, we had 14 stores. Yeah. Only one of which was in Columbia. Oh, interesting. And the rest of them were all yeah. from Biloxi, Gulfport, Columbia, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, Dad was really good at knowing when to get out of a business. Hmm. Not so much getting in. <laughs> uh, but getting out and the tax law changed in 1986. Yeah. And we sold all but two stores. Wow. To, a matter of fact, it was Archie Manning's college roommate, Billy Van Devender. From uh, Out of Mississippi. Yeah, absolutely. And they bought 12 stores. We had to move our office. That's when we moved into the Interstate Pancake House on um next uh, next to um the one on Cheddar's, 9th street next to cheddar's oh cheddar's okay oh the international <laughs> no not in not i no, this was the h-o-w-s-e right right pies are square right um and um that was the largest transaction ever to take place in the storage industry at that time and it was a 14 million dollar deal now today our average size deal is about 14 million for a single deal yeah so um, we started over with two stores, one in Mobile and one in Pensacola, and we were in Columbia. Yeah. So we had to go out and raise money individually for limited partnerships, and we were fortunate to partner with Craig Van Matry, who was our attorney, who mm-hmm. helped us with these things. But Chris and I were responsible for raising money. Yeah. And Chris we is your would, brother, your yes, younger brother. Young, he's yeah. 10 years younger. Yeah. And um, we would make doctor's appointments when we weren't sick. We'd go to dentist appointments when our teeth were fine to go through and pitch a deal. <laughs> oh, and, that's perfect. And between seventy, between eighty six and ninety four, and we happened to hit the timing right. Yes, we're paying twenty percent interest at the time. Yeah, but it was also the time of the RTC, and there was this immense amount of below replacement cost real estate all across the country. Mm. We managed properties for the RTC. And in 1994, we had the opportunity to go through and take the company public. Mm. And we had 58 properties at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a real education because (laughs) Chris and I both went to ag school. Yeah. (laughs) Dries and Ag Econ. I sold ag chemicals. Chris worked for Cargill Uh as a grain trader Uh and knew nothing about this. Wished we had listened to our corporate finance classes at the university (laughs) a little bit more. Yeah. But did go public. Wow. And um, we brought another Central Missourian back from Pete Marwick. Steve Dooley was uh, kind of like our brother from a different mother, mm-hmm. um, was in the storage business. We bought his company, 
to help us go public, and Steve came up to be our CFO. Wow. And my mother had to retire. Yeah. She was a little ticked off because she had ran all the company books until then. Oh, yeah, she kept the books, absolutely. And Steve has been with us until about uh, six years ago. Okay. Wow. So the decision to take it public, I mean, you had to jump through all kinds of hoops uh, to keep the regulators and, and the banks uh, happy. Uh, full transparency into everything that you were doing, which probably as a family-owned company, you really weren't used to that kind of transparency. Uh, it probably felt pretty invasive, I would guess. Well, <clears throat> that you're being nice. No. It was, um, you opened your underwear drawer every single day and they were going through it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the reason mom had to retire and Steve came in because as a CPA, he was able to get us on the footing of a public company. Mm-hmm. And we had some great helpers with Kemper Securities at the time and Morgan Keegan out of Memphis, who both, mm-hmm. both companies went together and took us public. And it was one of those things that it was a great time to be in any real estate business. Yeah. Because of the RTC. And, and this for was 94? 94. Yeah. And for the next four years, we went from 58 stores to 237. And it was all over the country at that mm-hmm. time. How'd you sleep? Um, really good until about September of 1999. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, one of the largest companies in our sector decided they liked our company better than we did. Oh. And they launched a hostile takeover. Wow. That's public storage. Uh, public, public storage. Yeah, public storage. And had we just kept all of the equity in the public company and public storage stock, I think we'd be a lot better off today because the stock was trading about $20 then and it's traded as high as 500 now. Good. So six. it's been a yeah. real transition. But yeah. On a Friday. So was we, that a major setback? I mean, I, I guess uh, maybe I'm being, uh, pardon me for being naive about that, but but I mean, uh, they were writing you a big check, but certainly probably in your mind not worth what your company was worth. Well, you know, um, you never look back. Yeah. And it's probably the best thing that ever happened to us. Hmm. Running a public company, running a real estate company as a public company where you have to operate everything on a quarter to quarter basis. Mm hmm. It's just not the right way you should be operating a real estate company. Mm-hmm. It's on an annual basis. It's on a customer-by-customer customer basis. In our cases, we had, at that time, we had about 80,000 customers that we would rent month-to-month, month, you know, to. Mm-hmm. And trying to figure out a year in advance how many people would, would rent a 10 by 10 that's just not a great way for us to operate. Yeah. But but today, uh, how do you compare in size? And I guess in terms of number of units, or how you how do you compare in size to public storage? What, what what's the oh, yardstick you use? Oh gosh, well, public storage's current market cap is pushing forty billion. Mm. Ours is significantly less. <laughs> Nothing specific here. <laughs> um, well, that's good. That's a, that's a nice window to be in. <laughs> we are lar- We are we are larger than the smallest public company. Yeah. That's currently out there now. Uh-huh. And yeah. they have a whole floor full of accountants, yeah. and we have one half a floor. Yeah. So, yeah. big difference. It's a, uh, it's an amazing success story. We are visiting with Mike Burnham, who is the president of uh, Columbia-based Storage Mart. It is the world's largest privately owned storage company. An amazing success story that uh, started here in Columbia, Missouri. When we come back after this, we'll continue our conversation with uh, Mike, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that, that happened after uh, the, the buyout uh, from public storage and uh, starting a new company and what that has looked like and, and the progress that they've made. All of that in more is coming up here on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. She said her name was emergency and asked to see my gun. Said her telephone number was 911. Got brother Jimmy on the TV, killer on the stereo. Said if you 
This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with Mike Burnham, who is the president of Columbia-based Storage Mart. Uh, and uh, it is a big company. So let's kind of talk about the size and scope. I meant to get uh, into that with you earlier in the program. But uh, tell us, uh, how do you describe the size of the company right now? Well, today we are in 18 states, six Canadian provinces, and uh, the United Kingdom. Okay. You talked about several years ago having 80,000 units. Well, I know that you bought another company last year that now has, that had by itself 45,000 units. Uh, and that was, uh, I guess, um, uh, maybe in the grand scheme of things, a, a very big acquisition. But, uh, so how many units do you currently have? Can, can you say? I don't know. I'd tell okay. you if I knew it, but, uh, not that we're counting, but it had 54,000 units, but that's okay. Okay. Um, oh, the, the uh, New York, New York yes, City did. Okay. Yes. Very good. Right. Um, I, it, um, it was called Manhattan Mini, mm-hmm. and um, fifty-four thousand units in seventeen properties. Wow! And we control there's twenty-seven properties in Manhattan, self-storage properties, yeah, and yeah. we own seventeen of them now. When you look at what the uh, business press is, says about your company, they, they one of the things that they point to a couple of things that you do very uniquely. One is that uh, you'll go into a mid-rise or a high-rise and and um, uh, create a storage unit so that you're very accessible to city dwellers, uh, which is because most sub dwellers live in very small apartments and and storage is is sometimes necessary. Um, and uh, but I think is 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 it New York City where you also have um, solar panels on top of a lot oh. of your buildings? Um, New York City is one of the markets, but more importantly, we've got them all across Canada. Okay. Mainly because of tax incentives. Yeah, yeah. As much as we would like to think that we could go through and have 100% of our electricity from solar, we're a ways from that. But we treat it like a storage unit. Mm -hmm. We just lease the rooftops. Yeah. Is all we really do. Oh, okay. So Smart. we don't really own the, the solar panels. We lease the rooftops, and yeah. we can use that money to offset any electricity consumption that yeah. we have. So in the 54,000 units that you have in, in Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, so what kind of configuration is it? Is that typically, are, are they are they big buildings? Are they? Oh, oh yeah, they're huge buildings. Yeah. Um, uh, one building has a hallway that is an entire block long. Mm. You stand to one and you can see the earth curve by the time you get to the end of the, of the end of that hall. But if you can imagine, you've seen the, the movies on television where they go into a big city morgue where they have all the oh, little lockers stacked yeah, up. Yeah. That's exactly what these look yeah. like. They will be, some of them will be 20, 25 foot tall. Mm-hmm. And you have rolling staircases to access those. And you'll have 10 and 12 floors of those yeah. on both sides. You know, uh, thanks to a dynamic called the boomerang generation, uh, I, um, which has probably been very good for your business. Um, we had the opportunity to rent a storage unit in your original, uh, building down on, on range line this past summer. And we're still in there, which uh, of course we've promised only be there three months. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I will tell you, it was hard to get, uh, it was sold out. And, uh, that was, uh, one of the few units that were still available Mm -hmm. in Columbia at the time we were, we were buying, uh, which is a good sign. But, uh, I got to tell you, 
I wasn't sure what to expect when I lifted that garage door, but <laughs> but I will tell you, it was immaculate. It was clean. It smelled nice. Uh, I just was. It was not what I was expecting uh, from a storage unit. You have to remember that building's also almost sixty years old. Yeah, so. absolutely. And yeah. we actually had to cut one of those buildings in four pieces to prove that they were portable so we could get the IRS tax deduction at one time. Is that right? <laughs> but, but it's it's a very simple product. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. It's for, anybody can build one. Mm-hmm. The operations is what we've discovered has yeah. been the most important part. And that's really where... It's pretty little, slick. Little Brother Chris has come in. When, mm-hmm. they, when we did away with Yellow Pages as our main mode of marketing yeah. and went into internet marketing if you will yeah that's when i knew it was time for me to step back and do the things that i do best yeah and i mean right now we have three people that do nothing but pay um that bid on pay-per-click all yeah. day long yeah a person does nothing with facebook all these things that you would never think even possible uh that you would have to do just to go through and run a self-storage unit yeah so you guys the storage mart has sort of created what uh, i think uh, is fair to say are some of the best practices in your industry. And that has led to a sort of a new endeavor for you all called True Storage. Uh, talk a little bit about that. It's true management. And uh, actually, we cut our teeth back in the RTC days going through and doing third-party management for other parties, including, mm-hmm. um, including the RTC. What happened was that when we purchased Manhattan Mini, um, that we've since gone through and cut the hourly openings from about 6,000 hours a week down to 4,000 hours a mm. week. You say hourly openings. What, what does uh, that is, mean? Uh, uh, um, employ, employment hours. Oh, okay. Employment right. hours. Sure. Empl- employee hours. Yeah, yeah. And so we've cut that down. And with that, we found some really good people within Manhattan Mini mm. that we thought would be great people we'd like to keep. Other than people that just ran the individual buildings, mm-hmm. took over handling the management, et cetera. And a young man by the name of Adam Steckler yeah. uh, had been running Manhattan Mini for the last 10 years for okay. the family that owned it. Yeah. And Adam was just too good to give up. Mm. And taking advantage of his experience, he's a background as a mechanical engineer, uh, very detail-oriented, that we decided that we would start the third-party management business back up again. So you're just helping other people that were like you 20, mm-hmm. 30 years ago yes. uh, help make their operations more efficient, right. help them with marketing, mm-hmm. uh, help them with systems and uh, processes? What, what You know, self-storage used to be a drive-by business and a three-mile marketing. A three-mile market around each store is what mm-hmm. you would want to go through and take care of. New York City, it's a, it's a five- and ten-block market as far as it is there because really? of the yeah. number of people. Yeah. So understanding that a brand makes all the difference in the world and understanding that during COVID, we learned how important contactless rentals were. Mm-hmm. That putting all those things together, that with the scale that we had, having 280 stores in three countries, we were able to go through and kind of build on that presence to create a marketing platform that we can go through and become scalable when we take over somebody else's properties. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll share uh, the income. We'll share all the net operating income that we increase with with the owners, of course. The main reason we're doing it, I mean, we're nice, but the reality is we're doing it for a reason that we want to go through and build a pipeline. Yeah. And we'll only manage in properties where we currently have stores. So and the pipeline is uh, perhaps a future opportunity to buy that yes, business. Yes. Okay. And so you're going to know it inside and out. Absolutely. And um, and uh, does that make some uh, prospective um, you know, uh, partners uh, nervous? Well, no. They uh, Well... 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, yes, because we're going through and taking our professionalism and spreading it around to other people. Mm-hmm. If we could buy the store at day one before we management, that's always our first choice because yeah. we're doing nothing but making the owner more money mm-hmm. for when he eventually does want to sell. Yeah. So there's part of me that says, why are we going through and making you more money? Yeah. But the reality is that today, with current interest rates where they are, and the valuations on real estate have dropped precipitously in the last nine months. Really? And that they've, mm-hmm. uh, the change that has taken place now has happened so quickly compared to any of the other four recessions that I've been through mm-hmm. that it's kind of, it's an easy sell. You talk to the guy that has made up his mind that he wants to sell, mm-hmm. but he thinks the property is worth less more than what it is right now we tell them we're happy to manage it until things change then if you want to sell we'll be happy to give you a first offer Mm -hmm. yeah and it's um you know i'm kind of like you fred i I, i'm kind of (laughs) bait is what i am these days i'm bait because i've been around a long time in the stories business and i speak all over the world yeah and they know they i get them in the door yeah and then sometimes the bait doesn't always end up very well on the fishing trip someone else has to be the closer huh (laughs) exactly I get it. Uh, so, uh, did uh, Seckler stay in New York City, or did he come to Columbia? You know, that's a really interesting question, mm-hmm. because we would love for him to come to Columbia. Yeah. And his wife, who is, um, uh, was in the pharmaceutical business, does also very, very well herself, came to Columbia, and she said, nice place to visit. Yeah. Don't think I'd want to yeah. live here. Yeah, and that's, that's a that's, problem we have here in Columbia. That is a, it yeah. is a real problem. I spoke yeah. two weeks ago at the University of Missouri Business School. Mm-hmm. And told them the same thing, trying to encourage some of the students there to understand what a great market we're in here in Columbia. Yeah. yeah. And our biggest issue is trying to recruit professionals yeah. into the Columbia market. Yeah. I, I think, um, and it's sort of, it's it it makes people mad, but um, I think when, when at Boone Hospital, we, we tried, you know, to recruit physicians and, and uh, getting their spouses to come to Columbia. I mean, Boone Hospital is a first class place to get mm-hmm. health care and a great place to, uh, to continue your career, uh, but getting that spouse to to come along with was very difficult. Very uh, so. A big part of our problem, of course, as you know, because you're probably the most frequent flyer out of Columbia, <laughs> uh, is uh, our airport. Uh, and I hope that's a problem of the past. Uh, maybe it's not, but I hope it is. Uh, and just Columbia is an ugly city. And we just don't do enough to, and I love Columbia, but we do not do enough in terms of curb appeal. When you have someone visiting that's an executive from a big city like Los Angeles or New York or Chicago, they get to Columbia and we look pretty dumpy, you know? Well, the airport, I have to say, that I've flown out of there several times since it opened, yeah. and it is fantastic. Good. Except, Good if, except if it's raining. <laughs> And, and when no, you have it, to park on the gravel, and I drag my bag through through the puddles, I've yeah. got you know I've got snow tires on my yeah. on my luggage, so I can get it up to the terminal. Yeah, but we're getting there, and I think it's one of the best things that's happened in Central Missouri mm-hmm. is creating this presence because that is the first glimpse of Columbia that most people have when they're coming in yeah. is looking at our, our new airport, yeah. and it is very very nice, and yeah. it is very convenient, and they have bathrooms you can turn around in. It's <laughs> It's a, I haven't. I'm not sure what bar is going to be out there. Yeah. I'm not sure I'll go out there for a bar, but uh, even though it is close to my yeah, house, yeah, it would be so. the closest restaurant to your house, probably. <laughs> it so, is. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, we we uh, kind of got off the. So, but I but I get that we're talking about. Uh, is it Adam Steckler? Is that his name? Yes. Uh, that uh, you know how you get these 
executives to to move to Columbia. Um, and so you've you've spent uh, so this new endeavor, uh, mm-hmm. true is a true storage, true management, true management yeah. uh, is uh, trying to is is really helping people become more efficient. Um, so when you when you look at um, Help me understand sort of your strategy, and maybe it's more than you want to share on the radio. But, but uh, you probably don't have a lot of competitors in our listening audience here. But, <laughs> but talk to me about your growth strategy. I mean, because obviously it has been a very aggressive growth strategy. Um, what what are the things that sort of? I guess tell me a little bit about the sweet spot. When you see something that might be for sale, uh, where is it typically in your sweet spot? Well, let me go through and ask you this question. Yeah, uh, if you were the only radio station in town, what could you charge for a radio spot? A lot. Yeah, a our, lot more than we do. Our goal, self storage, is also a still very simple business. If you can smell McDonald's and see Walmart mm-hmm. and get someplace in between it, it's always going to be successful if you have the right management. Hmm. If you want to go through and excel in it, you have to have pricing power. Mm-hmm. This is simply a game of monopoly. Yeah, in Kansas City, we have forty-four stores. Um, we don't own the market, but we have control of certain parts of that market. Mm-hmm. Where we'll have certain markets that'll be for a ten by ten, for example, maybe sixty and seventy dollars more expensive in one area than it is in another. Yeah. And so pricing power is what drives this. And especially during COVID, we found that our customers were exceedingly sticky. I had a longer length of stay during COVID. We had fewer move-ins, but we had a lot fewer move-outs. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is universal from the UK to Canada to the United States that um, it has been probably the best time in our industry we've ever had. And rent increases to existing customers. If you've been there that long, how many rent increases have you had at Rangeline? Yeah. At least one. Yeah. Probably two. Yeah. Yeah. Pricing power. Yeah, that's what makes the difference. Well, you base everything. I mean, it is a very sophisticated business because I mean, I think that you, I mean, if you've ever watched Storage Wars, which I know some of your <laughs> units have been on, but you get the feeling that it might not be the most sophisticated <laughs> business in the world. Uh, but you're using algorithms and uh, a, you know competitor uh, information to sort of uh, drive your decisions, and I think that that's something that is uh, talk a little bit about the science. Yeah, we actually have an entire pricing science department, mm. and within revenue management. Management, and the people that wrote our algorithms for our revenue management got their start at American Airlines. And really? they're the ones okay. that came up with the seat management program that all of us have to go through and pay more than the person sitting next to us. Yeah. Then they went into the cruise ship business. And little brother Chris went to every real estate conference he could go to for about five years with an open checkbook to write anybody a check that could come through and help us with revenue management. We finally found this this gentleman mm-hmm. who uh, lives in Palo Alto, yeah, and worked for American Airlines, and somehow he decided to get in the stories business, yeah, and he helped us create this algorithm. We're not to the point yet, Fred, that if we know it Monday at two o'clock and it's cloudy, what we can charge for a ten by ten? But you're close. Give us a year. <laughs> That's Mike Burnham, the uh, president of uh, Storage Mart based here in Columbia, world's largest privately owned storage company. We'll be back with Mike right after this break on the CEO Roundtable. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Glad that you have tuned in this weekend. I'm Fred Perry, visiting with Mike Burnham, who is uh, of the the Burnham family here in Boone County. Um, owner, um, 
owner, really the president of the world's largest privately owned storage company. All right. And but one of the interesting things is that uh, I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this show probably knew your mom and dad yes. and they've known you and Chris over the years. I remember uh, calling on Chris um, as a young salesperson for the Columbia, Missouri and trying to sell him ads for the real estate company that you all owned. And right. you're still heavily involved in in real estate and rentals. Uh, you and I were talking off mm-hmm. the air, uh, the transformation at Forest Village. Um, I just the remodeling and the way things. I mean, Forest Village has always been a very nice place to live, but you came in and made it even better. Uh, no, it had a great really it had a great set of bones. Yeah. Dan Hagen did a wonderful job building them. We just have gone through and improved them. Yeah. That's all. And um, I one of the, I live pretty close to one of your uh, developments that you own on, on West Broadway and and I'm just always sort of blown away by the landscaping. And you know uh, go to East Campus. We we have some pretty ugly apartment <laughs> buildings here in Columbia, uh, but uh, you guys really take a lot of pride in the way your the curb appeal of your of your developments and and that landscaping is a pretty impressive part of it. One thing we learned: there is a company on the New York Stock Exchange called Post Properties out of Atlanta in the mm. apartment business, and they were known for building very simple, very bare bones apartments, but decorating them incredibly with their landscaping. Mm-hmm. And we've learned that in the storage business, it works the same way. Mm. In the restaurant business, it's going to be the same. If yeah. it looks good on the outside, it's going to be good on the inside, unless yeah. it's a barbecue restaurant. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> the apartments, we've you've, you've got to take pride in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Same thing with our mobile home parks. We've yeah. gone through at the corner of Parker and Vandiver. We've created an experience with by the roundabout there, putting in plantings. And mm-hmm. it really makes a difference in the type of customer that you go through and attract also. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it's a county commissioner. I appreciate the fact that you, uh, you guys really cleaned up a huge sewage problem up uh, north of town, and and then you took, then you closed down. You did you, you. Uh, it's no longer a trailer park, but anyway. Nope. But thank you for fixing that that big sewer mm-hmm. problem. But um, the family has been a really an integral part of of your business, and uh, your brothers and your sister are involved. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, how how are family members involved? Well, if you recall, in '86 when we sold out, uh, at that point in time, w- mom and dad came to me and said. Would you mind if your brothers and sister came back into the business? And had I said no, I'd be a rich guy today. <laughs> but uh, they all came back, two yeah. brothers and a sister. We yeah. also had Easy Rental, which was at the front part of the Rangeline property at one oh, time. Okay. Uh, middle brother Tim uh, ran that. Yeah. Sister Kim came in and worked with my mother, did all the accounting and the books. She now handles all the foreign all the foreign exchange transactions and all the money movement that we do back and forth across three countries yeah. here in Columbia. Yeah. Um, Chris really runs the company now. Uh, my son, Wyan, came back. Um, as a matter of fact, his first job out of college was with one of our investors on a property in South Carolina. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the way we got the zoning from this is uh, we had to go up and talk to the guy that owned uh, the life insurance company across the street. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know what self-storage was. We explained it to him. said, I like that. I'll invest. And he learned a lot about it over the next year. And then he said, called dad and says, you know, I've got this son. He's following the Grateful Dead. He's got hair down to his his back. <laughs> dad says, send him out to Missouri. We'll take care of him. <laughs> Thinking that would never happen. Yeah. A month before we went public, he showed up. Wow. And he got a haircut. Yeah. And he helped us run that. And and I said, when I visited the guy's dad, I said, uh, well, my son didn't have hair that long, but I'm not sure he's going to get a, a a job right away. Yeah. So he was put to work selling burial insurance in South Carolina for really? this company. Okay. 
and I got him his first job. He got all the rest of them, but he's been with us for 25 years. Your son has? Yes. Wow. And he ground runs all of our CapEx, all of our development, all of our construction, Hmm. all of our commercial property leasing in three countries. Wow. That's impressive. Um, Then, let's see. Now, what happened to the the Grateful Dead follower? Is he still with you? (laughs) Actually, he left in 1993 Uh and went back to Greenville, South Carolina, started his own real estate business, and has done very, very well. I bet. Very well. Yeah. That's neat. (laughs) Uh, Then, I'm trying to think after that, Wyand came in, then... Uh, Chris's oldest son, Alex, mm-hmm. um, came back after graduating Tulane, went to work with a large pension fund operator out of Chicago, yep. been back working with acquisitions. Mm-hmm. In between time, my brother-in-law runs our uh, Kansas City portfolio. Okay. Uh, my cousin... Now, this is the brother-in-law that had a pretty successful sign business in Columbia, right? No, that's, he's still, that's Jim Fay. Okay. Uh, Fay and Sons, that's, okay. he's still here. He's still okay. running the sign business. Oh, okay, very good. This is another brother. This okay. is uh, my wife's brother. Okay. And he runs Kansas City, and then my cousin, first cousin, whose mother actually ran the glass company that put the glass in the Parkade Plaza, mm. um, we grew up together, and he has run our marketing program, and now is running all of our revenue management systems. Wow. Um, then my daughter came back after getting out of TCU, mm-hmm. working for several years, came back to run our asset management business, and she's the policeman. Okay. Uh, then after that, my brother's uh, sister, or uh, excuse me, daughter, Sadie... Uh, has worked with us as a store manager, as a regional manager, and is now helping Wyan run the commercial property leasing. Mm-hmm. And then most recently, Chris's uh, middle son, Adam, just came back mm-hmm. uh, three years ago after a stint with KPMG. Yeah. And he's running it and just uh, announced he's having a little boy in June. Oh, good for so him. So the family's enlarging. But yeah. at one time, we had 11 family members working for us. Yeah. And it goes up and down depending on the summer. My grand, yeah. all the all the grandchildren have all swept out units, all had to mow grass, yeah, uh, clean out storage uh, and apartments. Yeah, so that's great. I uh, have met um, uh, Chris's kids through mm-hmm. Canacuck. Right. Uh, uh, after many years, went to Canacuck yeah. and great kids, and and so very much so. Um, really um, nice. So um, one of the the things that I. Uh, you have an initiative called uh, Store It Forward. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about how that works and, and uh, what kind of things you're doing with that, that initiative. Well, uh, w- there's several prongs to it. Uh, first of all, we want to give back to the communities in which we serve. Mm-hmm. And we offer, if somebody goes through and gives a review, positive or negative, we'll go through and contribute in the U.S. to Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And in that case, we donate $15 for each review. I think to date we've given them almost sixty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. Uh, also, every town uh, that we're in has certain charities that we work with that want you know free storage. So we work with them, get a link to their website that helps us go through and kind of spread our word. Then in Canada, we have a, a program called Skate the Great which is um, where they go through and help a lot of kids uh, take up hockey, do outside activities, and we do the same thing with them. They do a Big Brothers and Big Sisters, mm-hmm. and we've given them almost, I think, total, total we've given on the Store It Forward program almost a quarter of a million dollars this wow. year wow. in three countries. Yeah. So it's worked out very well for us. It kind of allows us to give back. We'd like to do more. Yeah. And uh, we're always looking for opportunities to do that. Now, I'm, I'm reading uh, from a Business Press Wire, a press release, and this is, goes back to August, so things may have dramatically changed. But it says, and maybe you don't want me saying this on the air, but uh, currently the company has over 210,000 units uh, and upwards of $8 billion in storage assets. So anyway, uh, do you want to argue that? <laughs> no. <laughs> 
I, actually, I think we have 250,000 units, am, but am that's I make, okay. Am I making you sound like a poor man? <laughs> <laughs> all right. That, that, I didn't that, mean that to. Didn't all, that didn't all come in my pocket, I promise <laughs> right, you. I, Otherwise, I, I, I wouldn't live yeah, in L.A. Yeah. or Ashland. So, no. um, what do you think, just looking <laughs> at the company today, and, and Gordon hadn't been gone that long, but mm-hmm. what's the one thing that Gordon Burnham would be the most proud of, of, of when he look, looks at Storage Mart? How hard we work. Really? Okay. And, um, you yeah. know, if we could find somebody that would work as hard as a relative, as cheap, we'd hire them. Yeah. But it's been one of those things that we are very uh, blessed. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of a better word. To have a family business where everybody gets along. Yeah. We all go to lunch every day. Yeah. We have a different restaurant we go to Monday through Friday. Yeah. And who gets to pick? Uh, 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 <laughs> me, generally, because <laughs> I end up paying. Um, but we, the entire family gets together. Yeah. And at lunch, we talk about business. We talk about family. We talk about what we're doing on the weekend. And every holiday, I mean, we still get together for Christmas. Yeah. We don't do Thanksgiving or Easter together. Yeah. But Christmas was my mother's time. And now uh, doing the stockings for all the kids and grandkids, um, uh, my niece, Katie, Kim's uh, daughter, has taken over all that. Mm-hmm. So it's still a big family get together. Yeah. We have a... F- we have a corporate party, then we have a family party. And we'll have 35, 38 people yeah. for, for dinner in the family. Anybody who's ever worked in a family business knows that it can be very challenging. But you guys have found a way to make it work. I think, I, you know, I've been asked that question a lot. And I think the best answer could be that each of us have a different expertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't pretend that I could ever build anything, but Tim does a great job building. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I could run the, the foreign exchange accounts as good as Kim. Yeah. Chris does a fabulous job running the company. Yeah. Um, I'm just bait. Yeah. So, how does um, doing business in Canada and the United Kingdom, how does that compare to doing business in the United States? <laughs> is that. Uh, this, this answer may shock you, yeah. but uh, Canada is probably one of the best places to do business. Really? Okay. It is so much easier. Business is much more respected up there. Our employees treat their jobs as a career rather than a job. Yeah. Our turnover is lower. Um, uh, national health insurance is kind of a miss. Uh, this is not really a national yeah. health. It's an yeah. emergency room only. Yeah, We still have to pay additional money for, for the health insurance for them. But they are just the happiest, middle class, easiest to do business of any place we've done. Yeah. The U.K., I shared it's a microphone. More with, difficult. I shared a microphone with Simon Rose for eight years, and so I, I know how difficult British people are. So you know, it's uh, it can I, I can only imagine. Well, you uh, you're in the banking business. Yeah. I mean, we got one of the highest loan to value loans ever made in the UK at seventy percent when we bought our portfolio over there, and fifty percent is is more the norm. Canada's. 55, 60%. So it's very different. It requires a lot of different equity. Yeah. But our business is the same. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, The concept, the systems, everything transfers. Nobody nobody stores and buys as much crap as Americans do. Oh, yeah. And so I think our business is good, and it can't be replaced by online. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Man, that's really nice. So Uh, You're a lucky man. Okay. uh, Just about a minute left. What's the future storage part look like? Uh, right now, we're kind of taking it easy. I mean, uh, with interest rates doubling and almost tripling in the last nine months, yeah. it's very difficult. When we live and die on leverage, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be very difficult for anything in the real estate business. So anything we're buying right now, we know people have to sell. 
mm-hmm. and the values are going down. Our returns have to go up. And we just sit back and we wait, take care of business. We run operations. We run rent increases. We take care of our customers and try to contribute to the community yeah. and grow the company. There's no there's no reason why we shouldn't be a 300-store company in the next 18 months, yeah. 18 to 24 months. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, um, we've been very, very fortunate to have great partners who uh, have always been there to back us yeah. and help us go forward. Yeah. I now know why when I told you that my bank could make an $11 million loan, you weren't very impressed. <laughs> well, <But> anyway, <laughs> congratulations. And I, thank you for allowing absolutely. me to share this story. Uh, it is an amazing no Columbia story. Uh, I'm sure you're extremely proud. I know Gordon and Mickey would be extremely proud. And, and uh, uh, we're blessed to have you all in Columbia because you. you do a lot for the community. Thank so you. Mike Burnham, uh, one of the uh, family members, uh, president of uh, Columbia, of us. Uh, storage mart um thank you for joining us we'll be back next weekend we've got a great show planned for you thank you for tuning in this has been the ceo roundtable you've been listening to 93.9 the eagle this city is my city and i love it yeah i love